0: Um, welcome to our hustings, organised by the Wellbeing Economy Alliance. And thank you to everyone who has joined us here this evening. We hope you find this Hustons event tonight informative and it can allow an open discussion with the politicians who have kindly joined us tonight about how we can build a well-being economy here in Wales. My name is Caitlin, I'm 17 years of age, and I'm the young persons officer for the Youth Climate Ambassadors for Wales, an ambassador for Climate Cymru and a member of the Wellbeing Economy Alliance. Alongside me are Dawn Lyle and a fellow Youth Climate Ambassador, Ellie Sanders.
1: Croeso i'n hystyns a diolch am ymuno â ni. Gwbaithio y bydd yr hystyns hyn yn addysgu I, I chi a gallwn gael trafodaeth y gored gyda blaidyddion sydd wedi bod mor gredig ac ymuno ni hen o i siarad â y gallwn adeiladu economy lles yma yn Nghymru. Fy enw i yw Elie Sanders. Dwi'n un ar bymdeg ac yn ysgrifennu llysgenhadon Hinsawdd i Engdyd Cymru, llysgenad dros Hinsawdd Cymru, a canalador group canair economy shapes. My dawn lila Caitlin Williams and my Dawn you for the region. Roy economy shapes and a or or camry.
0: Our current economic system is not only undermining our social wellbeing through inequality, social unrest, loneliness, and the mental health crisis, but also threatening our very survival. Our planet, our home is on the brink of collapse. We need an economic system that stops the destruction of nature and which ensures that we are meeting our needs without destroying the planet that we depend on.
1: Our current economic system was designed to promote growth, not balance. And we have seen and felt and are continuing to see and feel the devastating consequences of these imbalances, especially with the COVID-19 pandemic. Economic inequalities in particular have skyrocketed during this pandemic, with billionaires experiencing record increases in wealth, while many struggle to get by on government support schemes. The injustice of our current economic system is leading to increasing levels of insecurity, anger, despair and loneliness, resulting in social unrest and distrust of governments that are seen as facilitating these gross
2: inequalities. We're the Wellbeing Economy Alliance for Wales, and we want to talk to the political parties that will have power in Wales after these upcoming elections about what they will do to make things better. I should say we invited five political parties to be part of tonight's event. Um, Labour, the Conservatives, Plaid Cymru, the Greens, and Abolish the Assembly, and Abolish declined the invitation to take part. Um, Sometimes I think we get mixed up when we talk about a well-being economy, Um, between the idea of well-being, maybe we're talking about yoga and spending time in nature, versus what we think of when we talk about a well-being economy. Um, So I just wanted to underline a little bit that we're talking tonight about a well-being economy. A well-being economy is one that puts the well-being of people and the planet at the heart of what the economy is for. And we think it represents one sort of systemic change of priorities that would solve all of those problems that Ellie and Caitlin have laid out there, both the destruction of the environment and biodiversity loss, as well as the social inequalities and the challenges that people face on a day-to-day basis. If we change our emphasis, change our sense of priorities, to make sure that the economy is working in service of the well-being of people and the planet, um, it's one systemic change that could solve all the various issues that people across Wales are campaigning for. And at the moment, we think the economy doesn't really have a sense of purpose apart from the creation of wealth. And wealth for what? For what purpose? Um, We think that if you embed the economy with purpose to be in service of life, in service of well-being of people and the planet, um, then we can create a flourishing future and look after the planet for future generations to be able to meet their needs as well. So that's what we mean when we talk about well-being economics. It's a change in focus, a change in priorities about how we make decisions on our economy and in government um, for universal well-being. So with a bit of clarity about what we're talking about here tonight, um, I'd like to hand over to Caitlin to ask the politicians for their opening statements. Caitlin.
0: Um, in a well-being economy, the goal is to meet the social needs of everyone in society within planetary limits so that future generations will also be able to meet their needs on a healthier and safe planet. We will take your opening statements in alphabetical order, if that's okay, um, by first names, and we will stop you after three minutes each. So, Amelia, on behalf of the Green Party, I will come to you first. What changes to the way our economy currently works do you think is necessary to genuinely promote well-being of people and planet? And what are some of the difficult decisions you'll make to address the
3: challenges our society is facing? Thank you for such an incredible introduction from Ellie, Caitlin and Dawn. It's just been in- an incredible overview of what's at the heart of the well-being economy. As the Green Party, we have supported the well-being economy for years, not because it was popular, but because it was right. And as we see the growing popularity of an, of this of this point, of this con- policy, of this concept, where we put people and planet at the heart of our decision making, I think that COVID has really inspired people about how profits and the idea of um, of the economy has been put above lives and the well-being of people. We're seeing people embracing those big ideas like never before. At the heart of our policies are other big ideas, like a Green New Deal, working to address inequality while ensuring that we stay below 1.5 degrees of warming and protecting nature from the ecological crisis. Making sure that we are giving jobs to people that are beneficial to future generations as well as our current generation, that are well-paid jobs for the work they do and address many inequalities. I think for me, as a woman who stands up for women's rights constantly, the fact that the invisible work of women in our current economy goes unaddressed uh, would be a huge, needs to be a huge shift in the way that our economy works. We know that austerity hurts women more as they get basically back into the house with childcare and not being able to be in the workplace and fulfilling the roles that they want to Addressing many of these inequalities, 2020 has exposed so many inequalities, whether that's about racial justice or whether that's about working class people. One of our biggest ideas as well as about a universal basic income, making sure that everybody has enough money to survive on. Because at the heart of this is people's mental health and well-being. Nobody shouldn't be able to put food on the table and a roof over their heads. It should be a fundamental basic for everyone. And a universal basic income is a small step towards achieving that. And in terms of of what happens, politics is all about priorities. As the Green Party, our priorities have never been big corporations or the economy as it, as it stands. It has always been about future generations. It has always been about people in, addressing inequality and ensuring that we are protecting the environment. It's about community and the arts and making sure that we're not valuing people by the money they can spend, but valuing people for, what, for, for who they are and what they can bring to communities. Because actually that community power would really be at the heart of, of what we want to achieve, bringing power and resources back to the lowest levels, rather than making having decision making made from above. So this is a big vision and I'm so excited to see you all here today because I think we've got a great opportunity in the next CENEV to address many of these issues.
0: Thank you Amelia, that was actually very, very interesting. <laughs> Um, Callum, on behalf of the Welsh Conservatives, what changes to the way our economy currently works do you think are needed to better serve the well-being of people and planet? And what are some of the different difficult decisions you'll make to address the challenges our social our society is facing?
4: Well, first, let me thank you for inviting me to tonight's Hustings and I have to take this opportunity to set out how the Welsh Conservatives intend to promote human and ecological wellbeing. Firstly, there there can be no well-being of any sort without a strong economy. Sadly, in Wales, we have been hampered by a Welsh Labour government supported at various times by the Lib Dems and the Nationalists who have failed over the course of more than two decades to build a solid, business-friendly, entrepreneurial environment. This is evident in our economic output, being bottom of the league table for UK nations and regions, and wage growth that that has not kept pace with the rest of the UK. This has now become all the more important as we must recover from the economic aftermath of the coronavirus pandemic. And it makes sense to tie the recovery to the priorities we have, such as possible, including well-being. Um, This is why a Welsh Conservative government would want to see 65,000 jobs created with 15,000 of them, sorry, 65,000 jobs created with 15,000 of them being green jobs, uh, 150 million pound Wales marine energy investment fund, the construction of 100,000 homes over the next 10 years, and the development of a fast-charging network for electric vehicles. Beyond this, our platform on which we aim to tackle environmental issues include a Clean Air Act, a ban for single-use plastics which are for non-medical use, Um, we want to deliver a deposit return scheme for bottles and cans, plan at least 8 million trees a year, introduce an energy efficiency voucher system for households to cover improvement costs, and setting net zero targets on national and industrial scales. This clearly demonstrates our party's desire and intention to tackle the environmental ills of our nation in a balanced, methodical and staggered way that allows both industry and the population to support changes that will not only help the planet, but do so in a way that does not punish them for it economically. In fact, our plans are purposefully designed to bring economic benefits. Which brings me more directly onto... Uh, human happiness. Um, economic growth, employment, and better salaries are inherently linked to better well being. And that's why routes to work are far more effective and just means of achieving that. There are proponents of UBI out there, but when this was trialed in Finland, it did not improve the number of people in work. Whereas a job um, is an essential component of feeling worthwhile, with worthwhile being a measure of well being. Indeed, in a debate on the Valleys Task Force, the Welsh Parliament voted for an amendment that stated that providing quality, long-term employment opportunities is the best way to improve people's lives as well as to empower our communities. We need to establish foundations for a good job and crucially job creation, especially in the private sector where devolution is not proven to be a silver bullet. And the way to do that, as uh, Tony Blair said, is education, education, education. So we have to have plans to significantly expand the Availability of degree apprenticeships, introduce a second chance fund to allow free access to some further education courses and refund tuition fees to those that go into medicine, nursing or teaching and discount them for those studying STEM subjects or modern foreign languages. And while the Conservatives welcome uh, and recognize the objectives of the Future Generations Act, it's concerning that the reality of the law has fallen well short of the rhetoric. Sadly, the Welsh Labour government have failed to significantly address poverty during 22 years in power. Of course, we know what they'll say. It's Westminster's fault. Instead of fighting their corner, admitting their mistakes, it is easier for them to weaken the union rather than put their hands up. It seems yeah. the evolution of power has converted to the abdication of responsibility. I'm wrapping up now. Putting the recovery first and doing so in a way that maximises wellbeing is far more important than constitutional navel gazing. If you look at the leadership of all the parties in this election, only the Conservatives are saying the constitutional status quo is sufficient and we should be focusing on the economy, health, education, housing and the environment, which is coincidentally exactly what voters want. I look forward to hearing what everybody else has to say as well. Thank you.
0: Um, Thank you, Callum. And Jeremy, on behalf of the Labour Party, what are the difficult decisions you will make and what changes to the way our economy currently works do you think are needed in order to serve our collective well-being?
5: Well firstly thanks for the opportunity of participating in this debate and looking forward to the questions after as well which you can hold us all to account not just for what we say but what we do <laughs> which I think is very important. Um, so there are three aspects to this for me. One is about the equity of participation in the economy, one is about an economic model which reinforces community wealth and community reinvestment rather than uh, extraction and thirdly the notion of sustainability as fundamental to economic activity i think on the first aspect at the you know given where we are and the impacts we've seen over the last year on people's well being there is a significant job of work to do in the new cenev focusing the nhs on health inequalities and preventable harms and prioritizing immense investment uh, in mental health services, including in terms of early support, but also uh, in terms of uh, young people's mental health, both in school uh, and elsewhere. So there's a kind of huge agenda there around participation. And I think a lot of that is driven in the current context by the health inequalities we've seen in the last year the second component to it is about making the local economy an economy which works for people and some of that is about making the locus of the economy our towns and cities and rural communities good places not just to work but also to live to make that a a holistic experience accessible by public transport cleaner greener and where that sense of community well-being is paramount. And some of that turns turns on specific interventions government can make. So we want to build on our Better Jobs Closer to Home programme and the foundational economy work that we've done to grow local economies, um, support local businesses through our backing local firms fund, uh, supporting worker buyouts, supporting the increasing reach of the co-op sector. But some of this is the difficult decisions you're talking about. Uh, We come to this building on a track record of delivery, not just talking about it. So the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act is transformative. It's a long term objective, but it does change the way government acts. You can see the focus on the foundational economy in the last government, last, uh, last CENEV, a significant investments in the circular economy from a fund of 6 million to one of 43 million, which we increased in the space of a year. Uh, so really significant decisions. We just decided not to pursue uh, the M4 for reasons to do with sustainability. That's, you know, that is a the classic example of a difficult decision, unpopular, but the right thing to do. Um, so we want to build on that and we think we've got a strong track record. Some of that is about integrating well, well-being interventions with economic interventions. We'll have a town centre first approach where we'll have integrated uh, well-being services through health and social care, integrated sector services. We want remote workspaces in the middle of town so people can reduce their travel times but work together cooperatively. We expand the number of reuse and repair hubs in the middle of uh, our towns We'll expand our low carbon housing stock by 20,000. We'll develop a Welsh timber based industrial strategy. So we're using our natural resources at the heart of our economy. uh, And we use particular interventions. The apprenticeship scheme is a really good way of driving both participation in the economy. 60% of apprenticeships in the last SEMF were taken up by women, ensuring women have full participation, even parts of the sector which we've struggled to make sure we have equity of participation, but also a really good way of training us. Uh, for the skills we need for the green economy of the future, and we legislate for social partnership in the next Senate so that uh, employers and government and uh, worker representatives come together uh, in terms of of the objectives that we set ourselves for fair work and using procurement as a tool which drives the objectives which I've been talking about, which is uh, an, an economy where um, the well-being of people and communities and the sustainable use of our resources and the stewardship of our resources isn't regarded as being antithetical to economic development, but is exactly the same thing, that we ha- w- that we do those things hand in hand.
0: And finally, um, but not least, Luke, on behalf of Plaid Cymru, Hold on. what changes and what difficult decisions are needed for an economy that serves the well-being of people and planet?
6: Thank you for, uh, for having me. It's always one of the things when you were the last to go, you find your, uh, your notes disintegrate as people uh, use very similar things to what you're saying. So I'll try and find something new to say. Um, but I think I'll start um, by citing uh, the economist Paul Krugman. Uh, for me, I think he sums up uh, why thinking about the economy on a, well-be- a well-being basis makes sense. Uh, you know, The economy is more than just GDP figures and cash exchanging hands. Fundamentally, it's about people. It's about the actions of people and how people are the driving force behind an economy. And the simple truth is that the economy hasn't really worked for people over the past few years. You know, we've used stats like GDP as a way of trying to work out how the economy is doing over the years. But for young people like me, it almost feels like an ancient monument in many ways, Uh, you know, in the sense that it's something that appears to have been with us since uh, time immemorial. Uh, But GDP simply doesn't cut it. You know, in fact, um, and I think it's fairly well known by now, if you were to take a different measure for argument's sake, let's say the Happy Planet Index, you know, you get an entirely different ranking for the top 10 economies in the world. And, you know, the US, for example, does a lot worse in those rankings than it does in the GDP measurements. So in terms of what we need to do, uh, luckily, we wouldn't be the first uh, people to ask that question. We know that New Zealand introduced the world's first well-being budget in 2019, and they've set three ways um, in which they budget uh, would look to address well-being. So I think the first one was breaking down the silos within, uh, within government and making sure that government departments are working hand-in-hand uh, hand to assess and develop uh, policies that improve well-being. Um, of course, the second one, focusing on outcomes that meet the needs of present generations and at the same time uh, thinking about the long-term impacts of future, on future generations of policies. And of course, tracking progress is with broader measures of success, including you know the health of uh, finances, but also natural resources, people and communities. John, you know, We think we are lucky in Wales uh, to have the well-being of Future Generations Act. There's no denying that it is world leading and there's a lot of good work going on um, in, uh, by the Future Generations Commissioner. But I think there's still room for improvement um, or maybe improvement is not the right word there, maybe a tweaking of, of the Act itself. You know, the Act itself requires a bit more teeth, really, uh, for, for, for want of a better phrase. You know, there's examples across Wales of where the Act has been ignored. And I'll use an example from my own county borough, um, where the planning department said that the local development uh, uh, plan was uh, taking precedent over the Future Generations Act. You know, situations like that can't go on. Uh, so a good start uh, would be to strengthen the Act. Of course, there's a variety of uh, other ways that we can improve well-being. Um, as we emerge from the pandemic, we know that... Uh, we have a chance to build back better and that's become a common phrase across all parties by now and and of course that's welcome. Uh, For me, that's ensuring that investment goes into the green industrial revolution that's on the cusp of of taking off. And as a party, you know, my company is committed to a £6 billion investment into the green economy and we estimate that would create roughly about 60,000 jobs across Wales and uh, we want to, of course, achieve net zero emissions by 2035 Alongside that, you know, we've committed to a jobs guarantee or high quality training for 16 to 24 year olds. Tackling mental health, the mental health crisis, which has been amplified by the pandemic, is also an important part of the well-being economy. And that's why we've committed to setting up one-stop shops for mental health. And importantly, and actually I think it's one of the more important points, you know, the well-being economy is about lifting communities out of poverty. You know, Pride Cymru has talked about extending free school meals to all primary school children, for example. You know, I myself was uh, on uh, free school meals for some time when I was in primary school and for many it's a lifeline. Um, and alongside this as well, we, we need meaningful targets to tackle poverty and with consequences uh, if they are, aren't met. Um, but I also think as well, um, to, to wrap up, uh, it's about considering new ideas. Uh, we've already added um, some mention of uh, universal basic income, for example, we know the traditional ways don't work, and I think that's why Plaid Cymru is committed to establishing a, a pilot of UBI in Wales. And I think looking forward and going into the future, we have to be a lot more open about uh, new ideas that could that could feed into the into the wellbeing economy. Uh, obviously, I'm going to say this, and uh, and uh, every other panelist has also alluded to this. Um, but you know, I think that I think the Plaid Cymru manifesto delivers uh, on on a wellbeing economy.
1: Thank you very much for those opening statements all of you they're very insightful. Now as a Youth Climate Ambassador for Wales I think I speak for a lot of people and especially young people when I say that we want a government in Wales that will tell us the truth about the climate emergency that we're facing and actually take the action that is really required. So Callum I'm going to come to you first. On behalf of the Welsh Conservatives, What action would your party take in the first 100 days of government to address the climate emergency and get Wales closer to net zero carbon emissions?
4: Well, the Welsh Conservatives have already said that in their first 100 days they would legislate for a Clean Air Act. But I think you're asking, it's it's asking quite a lot um, to put the environment uh, and get quite a lot of things done just in the first 100 days. Especially for something like this, you have to take the long term view because. Essentially, if you want to change the economy that much in a certain direction, that green direction, it's something you're gonna to have to do step by step. It's something that you have to do that way to get public support. You can't upend an economy overnight, and I think that's really important. And in Wales, that will matter a lot, given how much um, agriculture plays in this country, uh, in the part of the economy of this country, and just how and that its own role in carbon emissions as an industry. But like, like I said in my opening remarks, there are things like the marine, uh, the Wales Marine Energy Investment Fund that we want to introduce, um, as well as um, the, uh, the charging points for electric vehicles. And this is really important because obviously we know the UK government is um, phasing them out in about 10 years time, diesel cars, I think. And I think of my route back to my familial homeland in, in mid Wales, and I'd have to travel the A470 to get there. I think there might be only one electric charging point on the way, uh, which is Bill Wells Burger King, in case you're interested. But I think that is quite problematic, actually getting the infrastructure in place, because we need that to actually move from a substantially different place where we are now to that area. Um, but there are plenty of things, including the 15,000 green jobs we'd create. And um, I think we have a good um, platform going forward that also includes challenging single use plastics, for instance.
1: You said that you need to take these actions step by step. What would step one be? Would that be it within the first 100 days?
4: Well, like I said, in the first 100 days, there's the Clean Air Act. And that's certainly something that we've said we would legislate in the first 100 days. Over the course of the Parliament, we'd want to do quite a few things. Um, as I said, and I named probably about eight or 10 of them in my opening remarks.
1: You also mentioned electric vehicles a lot of people would argue that electric vehicles are not the solution to climate change what do you say about that
4: um, they're not a singular solution there's quite a whole scale change we need to do and we can't certainly do it alone as a nation of three million people it's something that the world has to come together on and i'm hoping the uk government makes the most of the cop 26 conference happening in glasgow at the end of the year and um, that's a great opportunity um, I was in a Hustings last week about international aid. Um, we were talking about the um, the need to cooperate internationally to challenge global poverty through addressing climate change. And I think that's a great way to do it, to, to get that international forum to, um, to work properly and as widely as possible.
1: Thank you. Um, we're going to move on to Jeremy now on behalf of the Labour Party. So Jeremy, what action would the Labour Party take in the first 100 days to address the climate emergency?
5: Well, I mean, I just, I, firstly, I think if the point you make is right about the urgency of the situation. And I think there is a job of work to be done in making it clear to everybody, really, how urgent the situation is. So we would start on day one, effectively, uh, and build on what we've been doing in the last five years. So we'd uphold our policy, clearly, of opposing the extraction of, in terms of energy policy to start with. We would oppose, obviously, the extraction of fossil fuels in the way that we have already, and we'd expand our renewable energy generation uh, uh um, substantially. Uh, we, just as Callum was saying, we also want to abolish the use of sing- uh, single-use plastics, and so we'd introduced an extended producer responsibility scheme to incentivize waste, produ- uh, waste reduction uh, by businesses. But then in terms of, uh, you know, f- there are dimensions here around um, uh, farm support, we are a- already obviously uh, looking to be pretty radical in terms of how we reconfigure we our farm support, one of the early speakers talked about the importance of agriculture, you know, we are not in the business of simply saying that is a sector which cannot be uh, reformed to deliver better environmental outcomes, it absolutely can, and we will insist on that happening. Um, but we also are clear that there are, um, you know, from the biodiversity perspective, we have got a long way to go in that space. So uh, whether it's around the national forest, whether it's around creating 30 new woodlands, uh, upgrading 20 existing woodlands, took um, significant policy enhancing green spaces for habitat, uh, community growing, for pollination, for community orchard. So there's a kind of whole sort of agenda in that um, space. Um, from a kind of a classic energy and environmental policy perspective. But on the other side of the of the um coin, if you like, from an economic policy perspective, just the way I was start said it saying at the start, you know, you you we have got to see all economic interventions through the lens of the urgency of decarbonisation. So we've already seen that in terms of the enforcement of the economic contract and the recon and the re- prioritization within the economic contract, decarbonisation and the moving to, move towards a net zero economy. But you know, we've got to decarbonize our transport system. We'll continue to invest in active travel. We'll continue to invest in green uh, public transport, we want to make sure that when people are able to work remotely from their workplace, that they can do that. We've set targets for that. We think that's essential to be able to deliver on the net zero uh, objectives. We've taken some very difficult decisions already, or rather unpopular decisions in some places, around the 20 mile an hour default speed limit, for example, which obviously helps in terms of active travel, but also helps in terms of clean air. We've said we bring in the Clean Air, uh, clean air Act. Um, and I mentioned at the start the decision not to proceed with the M4. There's a whole agenda around the Burns Commission about how we then um, help reconfiguring road, reconfigure road use. Um, I do agree with what you said. I mean, I, I actually do say clearly it's important that we are able to expand our EV uh, charging infrastructure, but it is absolutely not the solution to expect that um, uh, electric vehicles can, can can you know can be the the magic the magic wand to this. It's got to be a much more, uh, you know, a, a genuinely decarbonised transport policy, uh, which which uh, makes the contribution that we need.
1: Thank you. Um, to keep to time, Luke, I'm going to come to you next, on behalf of Plaid Cymru, OK? So what action would your party take in the first 100 days to address the climate emergency we are facing?
6: Yeah, no, I know, um, I completely agree. I think it's something that um, needs to be put as a priority, really, um, I think that a lot of us, a lot of a lot of the panellists have already covered a lot of um, different points here. And, you know, Applied Company is committed really to ensuring that in the first hundred days, we at least get the base started, because it is going to be a long-term battle. There's no doubts about that. Yeah. Um, so, of course, we want to reduce carbon emissions at net zero levels by 2035. Uh, we want to ensure that all electricity generated in Wales as well is renewable by 2035. Uh, we want to introduce the Nature Act with statutory targets to restore biodiversity by 2050. Um, you know, we want as well uh, to ban uh, the use of single-use plastics um, in 2021. And of course, as I mentioned in my opening statement, um, the investment, um, our flagship investment in in the green, econ- uh, green economy, in the green industrial revolution of six billion pounds, is a, is, a, is a good start as well to address the climate uh, climate emergency. But I completely agree. It's something that we need to really prioritise now. And as Jeremy um, alluded to as well, part of that is improving uh, Welsh transport infrastructure, um, improving our public transport infrastructure. We talk a lot about um, active travel. We talk a a lot about getting people out of their cars. Well, you know, we have to put our money where our mouth is now. And we have to uh, ensure that public transport, specifically when we look at the underserved communities in, well, if I look at my own constituency, for example, the Augur and Garo Valleys, we have to look at how we can connect those communities up together and promote um, promote them to use those um, uh, public transport over their private car.
1: How would you promote that, though?
6: Well, I think the, the first the first step to, to promoting that is to ensure that you have services, that are frequent, that they're on time, that they're to a good standard, um, and that there's ample space on there as well. Um, Because, I mean, I think I I can speak for everyone really on the panel when I say the last thing we really want to be doing is standing for an hour or two commuting. It'd be ideal if we could have capacity on a train where everyone has a seat, we can make it appealing, and we can also promote the fact that when you're on public transport, you can get a lot of your uh, a lot of admin done. You know, I use a lot of my commutes, if I'm honest with you, to answer a lot of my emails, which is probably bad practice on my part. But uh, but still, it's still a useful time, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. But I would like to ask you, what are your thoughts about renewable energy projects like tidal lagoons?
6: Hmm. Yeah, well, Plain Company has committed to. Um, to uh, the Swansea Bay Tidal Lagoon as a starter. I mean, we have a real opportunity in Wales, I think, um, to be world leaders in this sector. Um, It's it's obviously going to be part of a a wider plan, I think, for the renewable energy sector. Um, But, yeah, no, I mean, to answer your question straight up, we're very supportive of Tidal Lagoons.
1: Fabulous, thank you. And finally, on to Amelia, on behalf of the Green Party. Amelia, are those answers good enough? What would the Green Party like to do in the first 100 days of the new government in Wales to get to zero emissions?
3: Thank you, Ellie. I think that effectively the best time to have put policies in place to c- tackle climate change would have been 30 years ago. The Labour government, have, Labour have been in government for more than 20 years and have failed to take that action so far. Uh, the second best time is right here and right now. I said, I said it before, and I will say it again, that in the Green Party, we will always put addressing inequality and the environment at the heart of every decision we make. Where we've seen Greens elected across Europe, in the Scottish Parliament, in the London Assembly, the Northern Irish Assembly, and Caroline Lucas in Parliament, alongside our members of the House of Lords, we've seen them scrutinise and put in place new policies that embed those, the, those opportunities to make our country greener. Wales, as of yet, doesn't have a green representative in the Senate, And this is time where we need to be scrutinising all of those policies that have just been said, but yet time after time, action has been failed to be taken. Because even with those big big projects, we are not going to meet the emergency that we are currently facing. We need to be opening up a a green transformation fund so that we're investing in small environmental projects because it will be communities that will take up a lot of the... um, effectively the carbon emissions that we need to address to ensure that we actually reach reach net carbon zero by 2030 that's the reality of it not 2050 and the government the Welsh government have said that they're already not meeting those targets these must be a priority so yes invest in public transport yes and ban single-use plastics for non-medical use yes let's get renewable energy let's get all of let's get green jobs this is what we've been saying as the green party for 30 years but the only way that we'll have proper scrutiny of those policies is by having greens elected to scrutinize it because so far not enough has been done and it's clear that warm, with warm words and a lack of action that not enough will be done
1: that's really interesting um thank you amelia we actually have time um for a quick question i like what you were saying but um How would you empower, how would you like to see communities empowered to take climate action at a community level? Because that's really, you know, a well being economy, it's about encouraging
3: community action. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Such a great question. Thank you, Ellie. Um, As I said, with a Green Transformation Fund, it enables small businesses with environmental uh, policies and trying to address things like ensuring that we're embedding a circular economy, addressing pollution. All of these different aspects are actually working because it will be through lots of different people doing small things that we will be able to create that change. So the Transformation Fund is just one of those parts. But we've also seen ideas come out of things like citizens' assemblies that have worked to address those points at a community level. And giving a voice to people at a community level is so vital and important. Um, I know, for example, that as someone with a background in science, I get frustrated that in so many governments there are not enough people with a science background. And so I can't imagine all the community members that feel unrepresented by their government, that their voice isn't heard, their ideas aren't heard. And by bringing people together for those citizens assemblies and conversations we can ensure that the diversity of the voices in Wales are actually represented and then beyond that we know that change happens with people but it shouldn't just be individual action that works to change things as everyone is effectively working within the parameters of um world that we work in which is exactly why we're having this conversation is you know are we measuring the right things are we doing the right actions and it frustrates me that uh, we've been working with a system where we're blamed for our individual actions when actually when we want a bottle of water we're sold a bottle of water rather than given access to drinking water and things like that so I think that we need to be making sure that we put the infrastructure in place so that the greenest option is always the cheapest individual option sorry the cheapest the, the greenest option is always the cheapest and easiest option for everyone, because um, it shouldn't always boil down to that kind of individual choice narrative that I think we've had for far too long. We should be creating that framework and infrastructure so that everyone can easily make the best choice for people and planet.
0: Thank you very much, Amelia. Um, I think we're running 50 on time, so I'll go on to question three, which is. COVID has a massive economic impact and has made inequality much worse, unfairly impacting on women, ethnic minorities and disabled people, and making intergenerational inequality and economic inequality much worse. So I'll start with Jeremy from Labour on this one. So talking specifically about your economic agenda, what will your party do to rebalance the economy so that it is fairer and more equal?
5: Um, the point you made about the uh, the impact of COVID on the economy and the inequalities I think is completely central to this. Really, so in terms of um, uh, I did a piece of work for the government last summer on how we recover from COVID in a way which um, reflects. Principles. I'm sure most most of us would sign up to around economic and environmental and social justice. And the single thing we were told by most people we spoke to was that the uh, likeliest, longest term impact of inequality would be borne by people between the ages of 16 and 25, because because of you know because of participation in the in the labour market and challenges around that. So um, that's informed our commitment in our manifesto to a youth um, a young person's guarantee, so that anyone under the age of 25 uh, will get an offer of uh, work. Uh, apprenticeship, uh, training, education, or support to set up their own business, and we'll expand apprenticeships and degree apprenticeships to deliver that. Working with um, with all with all sectors to do that, and that I think is at the heart of it. Um, but there are also questions about different sectors in Wales having been impacted adversely by COVID, and they will need particular support. Taking into account as well the impact on sectors that are suffering from Brexit. So I think there's a sort of perfect storm in some. Uh, in some in some senses but I think there's also communities across Wales that have been disproportionately affected by uh, Covid and that is why we've um, we've uh, promised to build on the work we've been doing around the foundation economy uh, and around the better jobs closer to home by launching a uh, local firms uh, fund which effectively is about delivering um, delivering um, you know uh, a different approach to the economy really which looks at the contribution that economic activity has to community well-being and supporting our communities, and so some of that is around procurement, some of it is around expanding the role of social enterprise in particular. Um, and that fund will be um, will help us in doing uh, some of that work. So there are some there are some um, interventions you can do around people's own engagement in the economy, and there are some things you can do around deploying you know the public purse in the way that I've been uh, describing. But I think the fundamental issue, which it seems to me has come out of the COVID experience, is that people have recognised what a crisis looks like when it is not dealt with, and I think the lesson that we need to learn from that is how we can get people equally fixed on the urgency of the climate crisis and what that will look like if we don't. Deal with that. And so I think we need to learn some of the things that we've learned from some of the experiences we've had during COVID to convey that message to people. And just to go back to the point I made at the very start, I think it's investing in sustainable sectors. Um, and green jobs, and I don't mean solely jobs in terms of the sort of biodiverse sectors, but jobs which are sustainable and tech, you know um, into the future, and focusing you know making difficult decisions around business support for governments, requiring decarbonisation, requiring specific contributions to the to the transition to a net zero economy. I think I think there are some difficult challenges for any government in that, but we are we are certainly up for that.
0: Thank you very much, um, Jeremy, that was very interesting. Um, I will now move on to um, Luke, on behalf of Plaid Cymru. Um, would you like to tell us about your economic agenda and what will make Wales fairer and more equal?
6: Yeah. Um, well, you know, we, we've already um, uh, talked at length um, about uh, the six billion pound investment and in economic stimulus uh, for Wales. You know, including the you know four billion uh, pound uh, for in- for infrastructure and uh, and two billion pound for the foundational economy. So developing the foundational economy. And again coming well um, similar to what Jeremy said there um, it's about finding the sustainable jobs and then making sure that these are jobs that aren't just about uh, for a couple couple of uh, couple of decades but something that are there for the long term for future generations um, and further down the road um, and that it that uh, I think that's quite important important um, we know that obviously um, one of the economic um, Economic, uh, well, like, well, part of the industrial strategy for Welsh Government um, over the years is f- uh, focused on FDI, um, foreign direct investment, which has yielded um, jobs for, for local um, communities. We know that. But from my own experience in my own area, Ford, for example, um, has, has left us now. That's why I think the priority has to be investing in, um, in local homegrown Welsh businesses. That's why we're looking at um, um, expanding the role of the Development Bank of Wales um, and supporting the creation of a community bank uh, to help help domestically owned uh, businesses grow uh, their market share um, here in Wales and to create Prosperity Wales, which is an arm-length development agency uh, based in Wrexham to focus on growing small and medium-sized Welsh firms. Um, As part of that as well, we'll be looking to boost Welsh firms' share of public contracts uh, from 52% to 75%. So our agenda really is um, to help uh, Welsh businesses grow and be sustainable for the long term. And like I said, not just um, to provide jobs for now, but provide jobs further down the line.
0: Um, Thank you um, very much, Lou. Um, Could I quickly ask if if you could address gender, equality, disabilities and racial minorities? If be, I've had a question in the chat, so I've just read that to ask you. Thank you.
6: Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said and I, I do know Amelia has alluded uh, to already. There's a lot of un, um, unpaid work that happens in the economy that's not recognised at the moment and I think there needs to be a body of work done to, uh, to, 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 to bring that um, uh, to people's um, attention. But I, I think you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things as well. When we look at how COVID has affected different groups in society, you know, we know it's had a disproportionate effect, as you said, on, uh, on on ethnic minorities, on uh, people with disabilities, um, and young people. And I'd also, as well, I'd add, um, it's, it's had a, a disproportionate effect on working class people as well, as a whole. Um, and so, a lot more as we come out to the pandemic, I think, needs to be done in in helping in helping those groups. Uh, so I've talked about. Um, uh, uh, free school meals for primary aged um, school children uh, we've also as a party pledged a uh, £35 a week uh, child um, payment at to top up um, uh, families who are living below the poverty line um, so I, I, I agree there's a lot of work needs to be done as we come out of the pandemic to to address a lot of the inequalities that have happened in society and that is uh, that is going to be a priority for the uh, for applied government.
0: Um, Thank you very, very much, Nick. Um, I'm going to move on to Amelia on behalf of the Green Party. um, What are your economic
3: policies that will make Wales more fairer and more equal? Thanks, Caitlin. I think that there are many angles to address here. That's how we tackle those inequalities. And as you said, COVID has... well, COVID has exacerbated, not exposed, because I think that those problems were already there and people who were living with such inequality um, have been forgotten for far too long. Um, COVID has seriously exacerbated that and it's pr- given more evidence than we ever needed that we need to be to readdress how Wales works for everyone. I think it's really important to be looking at young people, as you said, uh, Ellie and Caitlin, about young people and future generations and how climate and environment will affect your generation. I feel that as someone who was um, just out of university during the last recession, it was awful, like there were no jobs and an impending austerity, potential austerity budget coming through will further exacerbate many of the problems that young people had. If Wales had the power, I would want to ensure that young people were paid a fair wage so that they basically had equal pay for equal work uh, rather than the pay inequalities that young people currently experience. But also I know from experience that during challenging times, exploitation of young people happens in the workplace and exploitation of so many different people through things like exploitative zero hour contracts that have no place in Wales. These contracts undermine the rights that people fought for um, in terms of holiday and maternity pay and sick leave and leave so many people, especially young people, without uh, a clear amount that they'll earn each month to be able to pay their rent. These are effectively completely undermining people's rights. So a genuine investment in jobs, training and opportunity for young people is so vital and important. And as I've said before, making sure that uh, and I'll keep repeating it. Every decision needs to have equality in the environment at the heart of it. When it comes to gender equality, again, there needs to be more about empowerment for women. As someone who's experienced domestic violence, I know the failures of the current system. I just, I, I'm not even going to begin to describe the problems that the current system has better investment in things like refuges, actually having a genuine plan um, to ensure that we have gender equality in Wales is is vital and important as well as education of young people about what things like violence looks like. I worked uh, on the campaign for misogyny as a hate crime and it's clear that many misogynistic acts happen and people don't realise it's misogyny. When we're training young people, people think that some of these things are acceptable whereas genuinely providing education about what misogyny looks like is an important way and and violence and coercive control making sure that we're tackling things like FGM female genital mutilation and trafficking Um, there needs to be support there needs to be a plan and there needs to be education uh, in schools and education of the general population about what these things look like We need to decolonialise the the curriculum as well and make sure that we are putting black history into our education and ensuring that we're celebrating the diversity that we have here in Wales. I'm being told that this this was such a broad uh, question. I have many other things I'd like to talk about, but uh, I'll wrap up there.
0: Um, thank you very much, Amelia, for talking about inequality as well. Um, we all very much appreciate that. Um, finally, I'll move on to Callum, and I'll ask what specific economic policies will effectively address all forms of inequality in Wales? And I've also been asked um, to ask about the Conservative UK um, report about there being no institutional racism in Britain. Um, thank you. If you want to go on to that, Callum. Thank you.
4: Sure. So I'll answer about the economy and then take inequality in turn. So... Uh, firstly, the Conservatives want to abolish business rates for small businesses and create business free zones. We know how small these wealth create, uh, how um, badly hit these wealth creators have been during the pandemic, so they need some relief like that. Um, we also want to bring build infrastructure like the M4 relief road upgrade to A55 and A40. Um, I know maybe the M4 relief road might not sound like something you know, your organizations might be in favour for, but it's best to them the massive amount of congestion that's created a lot. Um, on the M4, the amount of people I spoke to in my campaign and my candidacy before then, they were talking about how much time they were spending in traffic then. That's just a lot of congestion being built. And I would also take this opportunity, if you don't mind, to just go back to what Jeremy Miles said about, you know, not going ahead with it. But what about the red route in North East Wales, which has been extolled by your economy minister, Ken Skates, when surely the arguments against building that road would also apply to the M4 relief road? maybe it's because uh, that seat's turned blue in the general election i don't know but it is something that's certainly worrying to hear um as well as in terms of other things we are quite we are heavily reliant on the public sector in wales obviously people work in the public sector do a great job and it's obviously needed in in several areas education health and the like but we do need a more diverse economy to get that wealth creation going i was speaking to a conservative mp recently who was on the commons welsh um welsh affairs select committee who was questioning either drakeford or skater can't remember which one and when they were they were asked to set out their vision for wales as a kind of an autonomous nation down in the united kingdom they didn't mention anything about wealth creation that's really troubling because actually that's the way that young people are going to become more prosperous because our nation will become more prosperous too that's really important i think and that's reflecting the fact that the UK, uh, wales is the sec- um when it comes to invest inward investment. i think it's the second lowest of uk nations and regions um, i'll have to double check that but i think that's what i've read recently moving on to inequality I'll sp- we've had a, we've had a um actually i'll address specifically your question about the race audit there um it was an interesting thing and i was surprised about just how um explicit maybe the, for lack of a better word it was because it was um, good to f- find that actually because it was done by um and it was an independent report, and many people of colour on that panel. And I think that's a great thing that this country is more of a beacon for other countries to emulate, actually. Um, but what I want to specifically talk about and when it comes to inequality, because it's lots of it's been covered um, by the other panellists, specifically with um, intergenerational inequality. Um, I recently celebrated my 25th birthday, so I like to think I'm a young person still. And we younger people have given up more than a year of our lives to protect all the generations over the last year. But it seems that that sacrifice will go without compensation, let alone reward. Why oppose intergenerational fairness? And I'm getting a bit sick of a lot of policies, you know, sometimes my own party even, that just aren't really going to address that. We need more housing. So I'm glad to see the Conservatives want to build 100,000 homes over the next 10 years. And I personally would oppose um, domestic vaccine passports before at least every adult has been able to have, have not been offered, have uh, uh, at least one jab at a minimum, and my natural instinct is to oppose such a discriminatory scheme anyway. Um, Our party would also um, offer partial refunds on tuition fees to reflect um, the substandard education experience students have had during the pandemic. I'm quite at the end of my tether really with compromising my freedoms and the best years of my life, so to protect people who say they love lockdown and think young people are terrible for ignoring restrictions that are making their life a misery and clearly don't really give a damn about the fact that our generation has suffered worse than any other during the last year in terms of mental health and employment, all the while house prices increase. And although I am standing for the Senate, I would want the UK government to really examine that imbalance of how generations are treated because schemes like the triple lock on pensions are becoming harder to sustain at the moment. And if elected to the Senate, I would like to see the use of the tax-altering powers there to um, be used to the benefit Um, of young people.
1: Right, well, thank you all for answering those questions submitted by our audience. We'd like to end by giving you each one minute to close tonight's session with your final thoughts. So what is the one promise you will make here and now on behalf of your parties To those of us that are campaigning for a change in priorities that puts the well-being of people and the planet first. Jeremy, we'll start with you. What one promise would you like to make to us on behalf of the Labour Party? Just one minute, please.
5: Uh, Well, the the key promise is to prioritise the needs of a sustainable Uh, economy in Wales and I think that the policies which I've touched on some of them this evening are a credible deliverable affordable but also urgent set of interventions which the Welsh government will deliver Um, and the question you started with is about difficult decisions and that goes to the absolute heart of this discussion it seems to me Uh, you know politicians find it very easy to say things You need to look at people's actions and hold us all to account about what we do, not just what we say. And I would suggest that the last five years, as there have been plenty of examples of the Welsh uh, Labour government taking difficult, unpopular decisions, uh, often in the teeth of political opposition from, you know, unexpected quarters, frankly, in the Senev. But we've done that because this is an area of urgency and priority for us, and we continue to be that in the next five years if we are re-elected.
1: Thank you. Amelia, on behalf of the Green Party, what is the one promise you would like to make?
3: I'd have to say that every decision that Greens would make would have equality while addressing inequalities and the environment at the heart of it. It's clear that while many other parties have a wish list, we have a to-do list, making sure that we're connecting communities to addressing those big questions, those big problems. And I think that it's it's really important that we, are, um, we have a Green in the room for that scrutiny, for that prioritisation. The other parties have had years to be able to put these policies in place. And where we've seen Greens elected across Europe and across the UK, we've seen that radical transformation of ideas and scrutiny that enables things like in, in prioritising the environment, prioritising young people, prioritising equality, provi- prioritising a well-being economy at the heart of all of those things. So, um, yeah, I promise that I, every Green will have a quali- addressing inequality and the environment at the heart of every decision, as they have done everywhere that they've been elected.
1: Thank you. Callum, on behalf of the Welsh Conservatives, what one promise would you like to make? Just one minute, please.
4: Well, firstly, thank you very much. I, really, I have really enjoyed this evening and hearing what the other panellists have had to say as well. And probably the most robust questioning I've had so far during the hustling season. Um, um, Prioritising recovery from the pandemic is the one promise I can make. But a part of that is a lot of things that will align with, I think, people watching today. And that does mean green jobs. It does mean... Um, building housing. It does mean a clean air act. It means serious action on the environment and getting those initial steps in straight away to get into that green economy as soon as we possibly can. And it does mean encouraging wealth creation as well, because um, we need a big private uh, private sector in the economy, because that's the way we can get better wages for younger people straight away. And I know there's probably been a bit of a fundamental disagreement, I guess, um, between us this evening, because I do believe that well-being and economic growth are inherently connected they cannot exist without the other and um, basically i'm hoping that i'm right <laughs> um, i'm sure and because if we get into power you i'm sure you might hope we're right as well because we you know we what we want is the same thing which is the best results for everybody and that does mean well-being as well as prosperity together thank you
1: thank you thank you and last but not least luke on behalf of Plaid camry what one promise would you like to make
6: well, for us, um, it's about prioritising uh, in the recovery, um, addressing the uh, climate emergency, as I've outlined already, addressing as well the inequalities and bringing out well lifting communities out of poverty, which I think is something um, that has been a bit of a, 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 um, a disgrace, unfortunately, in Wales that it exists. Um, so for me, Plaid Cymru, you know, we have the ambition and the vision to carry out a lot of the, uh, a lot of what I've talked about tonight. Um, so if, to wrap up, um, and our promise to, to, to Wales is to, is to pull people out of poverty, to improve the economy and build back uh, better in a sustainable way.
2: Thank you. Thank you all for keeping us all so perfectly to time. Uh, We're just coming up to 8 o'clock and I think uh, we've had a really productive hour and great to hear so many perspectives and I would just like to say well done to Ellie and Caitlin for a fantastic job in holding our candidates to account this evening. So thank you very much to uh, all of our politicians for joining. Uh, We've really appreciated your time. I think here in Wales with the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act through one lens, we're leading the world as a well-being economy government and the world is certainly looking to Wales to see what we're doing with that important piece of legislation Um, and I think it's up to the next government in the next few years to really show that that act has teeth and that we are implementing it in alignment with the values um, that we've set out so clearly in that what we consider to be a really good piece of legislation. Uh, We just want to see how it can be better implemented. And I think at the Wellbeing Economy Alliance, we talk a lot about the dichotomy between the economy and well-being. And um, it is true that economic growth um, often leads to worsening inequalities. And the, the data has proven that. You really have to look at where that economic growth is happening, whether we are redistributing growth um, across all sections of society, not just growth for its own sake. And that is a really key point um, that's important to us. But we'll be watching what you guys all do. And thank you very much for your time to talk to us this evening. Uh, For those of you listening, please do stay in touch with us, the Wellbeing Economy Alliance. We're on Twitter, We All Cymru. We're building a movement and a strong voice for wellbeing economics here in Wales. Thank you for being part of tonight's hustings. We hope it's been interesting to everybody. Good night and bye for now. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 Bye.